All right. I'm trying to make this painless. <laughs> painless would be good. Painless is painless. Is Based possible. on what I've been going through. Yes. Uh, it's uh, it's not root canal. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the December 2023 edition of The Impact, a sustainable CT podcast. For your edification, your enlightenment, and your entertainment, too. I'm Jim Hunt, Communications Manager at Sustainable CT, so if you're looking for someone to blame for this podcast, well, you can blame me. But remember, this is never a one-way conversation. We always want to hear from you for our edification and enlightenment. Drop us a note, won't you, to info at sustainablect.org. The Impact is brought to you in part by the Common Sense Fund. The Common Sense Fund supports environmental change through education, policy initiatives, promotion of carbon-free energy sources, and stewardship of our natural resources. The fund promotes action both on the environment and in the arts that is practical, creative, and addresses social needs, and we are oh so glad they do. Visit them at commonsensefund.org. Remember, Sustainable CT is independently funded. We don't have a magical rainbow unicorn money tree, no, sir. But you can be a Sustainable CT sponsor. Find out how at sustainablect.org. We have the good, good fortune to be joined today by Ted Schaefer, currently serving as the Director of Economic Development for the beautiful town of Winchester, a recently bronze-certified town, by the way. It's nice. Uh, Ted did his undergraduate studies at Tulane. Yes. Way down, way down yonder in the Big Easy. Yeah. Where he received a BS in business management. He went on to earn an MBA from Alliant International out on the left coast and an MPA, a master's in public administration from Yukon Go Huskies. Yes. Uh, he served for 10 years <laughs> as the first selectman of the town of Burlington from 2011 to 2021 overseeing much of Burlington's evolution into a climate and sustainably conscious municipality and guiding the town to bronze certification in 2019. Very good. In addition, Ted has been involved with uh, Sustainable CT from the very beginning, helping us to organize and to launch back in the dear dark days of our founding, 2017. He's been a member of the Sustainable CT Board of Directors and has served as treasurer of that august body. And we are certainly thankful for that. But more than that, Ted shows up. Uh, he, he, we can always count on his good counsel, his positive energy, and his willingness to attend, to participate, to support. And that is a rare and wonderful thing. So with all that said, welcome to the show, Mr. Schaefer. Great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you and so just much. As a, uh, an additional uh, tidbit of information, I'm also the Economic Development Director currently for Bar Campstead, Connecticut. Oh, that's right. That's right. I should have mentioned that. You're going to have to explain to us how that works, that you can have two sure, masters. I'm happy to explain you got, that. You got two masters. That's pretty cool. I do. I do <laughs> find masters, and uh, I can definitely talk about that. But they are currently um, in the process of trying to obtain their bronze level certification. Yay. They are doing fantastic and looking to uh, the beginning of uh, April to, to make their final submission. So great. very proud of them. Great group of people there. Just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, plug that. Well, I want, it fits into my first question. I wanted to ask you, how you yeah. how did you get involved with municipal government to begin with? I mean, how did you yeah. end up doing what you're doing? Well, I, um, uh, I think when I was younger, there were good examples and models in my in my immediate family. I came from a large family, um, born and raised in West Hartford. And between my brothers and sisters, five of us total, and my mom and dad, uh, the household always seemed to be involved with the community and uh, bettering the community. So I think that's where I gained my interest in good examples. And um, when I moved to Burlington, Connecticut, uh, as an adult and uh, ready to raise my family, I, I contacted Town Hall and I asked if there was any volu volunteer positions open for residents on uh, local committees or boards. And I was uh, uh, graciously uh, placed onto the Economic Development Commission. Look at that. Yeah. And uh, uh, who knew all these years later, <laughs> I'd be so involved in it uh, currently. But through that, you know, you get to meet. Uh, your neighbors, other residents, sure. other organizations. And uh, I continued to do that on a volunteer basis as I was doing what I was doing professionally. 
did that for about five, five or six years doing that, uh, eventually becoming chairman of that committee, working on a lot of projects and interacting with others. And then um, eventually I thought I'd put my name in the hat for the board of selectmen. Yeah. And I, I was very fortunate on my uh, first run, I was able to, to be a member of that board uh, as a volunteer resident. I served on them for four terms. I was going to say, that's a, that's a, long, a lot about the town. You served yeah. a long time in an elected position. That's not easy to do. You know? Yep. So I did that. And then uh, there was a situation where there was an opening and I pursued that. Eventually became the first selectman yeah. of Burlington, which I did not uh, set out to be, but, uh, you know, honored to serve. Um, I had to leave my professional position as a, a risk management consultant. And became the, the first selectman, elected first selectman for ten years. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's how that's I kind of that's how I kind of got into the municipal government area. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've interviewed a, a bunch of you know city managers, and that's a whole different gig because you're not elected; you're kind of separated, at least a little bit in theory, from the political mayhem. And they'll have a long Elsesser. These guys they they hung out a long time in in, their, in those jobs, but to find somebody who, who stays in local elected government for that extended period of time is is kind of unique it's not that's not <laughs> happen a lot so bravo to you thank you yeah you know i appreciated the support of uh i serve i serve the public you know elections are an opportunity for them to take a close look at the work you're doing and you know i felt very fortunate they were and in, in, you know favorable to the results and, and how their quality of lives were progressing and uh you know so i was returned uh those years and uh glad i was able to help so many people in the community well i'll never you know, forget the experience you know i gotta ask you what happened in, what happened in 2021 what, what did, did they the winds of change blew through <laughs> what yes yeah as somebody very wise once said uh democracy is messy so <laughs> in a good sense uh there's always a chance for the voters to take a look at um, there should be yeah 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 and um and i was involved in a three-way race which is a little uh, bit unusual for local opposite uh, and uh in, in, in it was close but you know the residents spoke and just looking back i was happy in the position i left the town yeah uh, in good position for the future they had a uh, new leadership and uh that happens in uh in it happens. politics, it happens in all politics across the country. <laughs> and it's a good it's a good thing, you know, that it does. Yes. We we take that for granted and we better not take it for granted, especially in 2024. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can say, I was just gonna say one thing. With those experiences I had over the 10 years, and, and so glad to be able to help, you know, that municipality, I was I've been able to take those experiences, that judgment, those relationships, and just uh, help another town or two in our region try to improve themselves yeah. and try and, and try to reach the goals that they want to do. I always thought if one municipality does well, or two or three or several, it helps all others. You yeah. know, it just rises the tide and uh, it brings success all the way. So happy oh, to yeah. happy to be doing that now. Absolutely, uh, and and we were that's that's our that's our jam here. At sustainable yep. CT because we, we constantly are trying to hold towns up that it succeed as being examples to all the towns out there. They say, well, all right, I can do that. They could do that. I can do that too, or follow their lead. And also the regional regionality of this, How, like you said, yes. kind of lifts the tide within the region too. So uh, with towns collaborating and being able to follow yep. one another's lead, absolutely. Well, but I want to. I don't want to leave the uh, election element behind just yet. And the reason is this. We've been working with uh, CT, kind of a long-winded explanation, but I'll get there. CT Data Collaborative, I'll give them a, a pitch, to help us work through our, our crazy data management system and improve it and that sort of stuff. And one of the things we were talking about was what do we measure and how do we measure it? And what, what, what indeed is a measure of success for us? What kind of data points are we, are we looking at? And the discussion came up about, well, you know, politically, it's kind of a sensitive issue, but politically, do we help? In other words, if if you as a as a as a selectman, well, the first selectman, but any involved in local municipal government, if you're associated with sustainable CT, did that help the community even know that there's an association 
Is sustainability important to your local community? And thereby, uh, by associating yourself with sustainable CT, that helps uh, politically or does it not? A very interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there's many sides to that conversation. But overall, I think my participation, my support of sustainable CT, which was, we can talk about it, how it originated as a grassroots organization mm-hmm. um, made up of all communities, uh, governments, community groups, stakeholders, interested residents. And I think it kind of resonates with the phrase shared values. You know, for me, we'll talk about it, but it, it immediately resonated with me the format, the inception of this program and where it could go. It translated uh, easily and well into the town that I lived in and I was serving. And I think it brought optimism, which I think is so yeah. important, kind of a buoyed feeling in, uh, in, in our community. And I think if it happens, uh, that's the goal for any community. It kind of, there was a feeling of raising the quality of life among all residents, yeah. you know, in a, in a fair and equitable way. Most of the activities and programs that, that are pursued are, are either no cost or, or a low cost or something that you could get some granting from, you know, through sustainable CT and their programs. Yeah. Uh, or, or other sources, you know, it could be private donations. But I, I, I think that element is very palatable and it's relevant. The the actions, the initiatives that go into all the activities are just very relevant to your particular towns. And the issues that are facing Connecticut are facing our local communities. And right. if you can if you can do that in your little neck of the woods. It's your part. You can't solve everything for Connecticut. You can't solve it for the for the country. But if everybody can do something that they all feel good about and is beneficial for your small neighborhoods, you're doing your part. That's yeah. that's all that can be asked of you. And I think that leaves everybody with a good feeling. Yeah, there's a sense of what we like to think is a sense of empowerment, of efficacy to these communities. As you say, it can be overwhelming. You can't fix the problems of the state by yourself. You can't fix the nation, yeah. the na- nation's problems or the world's climate issues, but you can do your part in your community. And that all builds up to a real change. And I think yeah. that's one of our, one of the things that we try to tell uh, that messaging that we've tried to put out there. We debate whether or not, you know, during certification time schedules, should we st- try to bring our certification in line with local election schedules so that so that local leaders have a chance to run on this as part of their platform? Or do we want to stay completely out of that ball game and, you know, in the background and <laughs> not, yeah. not get not get into that deep end of the pool? It, it is a, it, it, it's a constant question. You know, I know that it, it, you know, not every town embraces sustainable CT and we're, we're, we're working on them. We're working on them. Yeah, not not every community, not every town really embraces the the agenda, but uh, but most absolutely most do. So, yeah, go back to uh, how did you get involved with sustainable CT, and what was the what did did Lynn show up with a brochure one day? Or what, what? <laughs> so I was serving as a first selectman of Burlington, and I was being made aware that the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities, which is yeah. a uh, an association, municipal association, that just about all towns and cities um, belong to. It's such valuable. They have a staff that can advise on a number of issues and help the everyday operations for uh, for all the municipalities. They came out with a notice that they had a series of uh, established, you know, groups that were discussing important topics, you know, in all municipalities. Uh, yeah, such as land use, uh, financial matters. Um, and this comes out every year. And I noticed there was a new one that it was for sustainability. And I thought that sounded interesting. And I, I signed up to go to the meeting between, uh, it was organized by CCM, Connecticut Council of Municipalities, and also Eastern Connecticut State University's uh, Institute for Sustainability. Right. I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought, uh, it looked like there was going to be a potential partnership there. And uh, I was just interested. So I went to this think tank discussion group. It was held in Hartford. And uh, the folks that I just mentioned were there. But there were other thought leaders, 
my peers, some of my peers were there from other towns, other first selectmen and town managers. And uh, it wasn't a big group, and uh, but it was it was a good group. And we had a nice discussion. I just felt energized coming out of that. I felt like uh, this was one more group that was discussing relevant and important issues for communities. So um, I kept on signing up to come to the meetings. I kept on doing that and it was gaining traction each time we got together. Things that we were talking about became more substantive. Right. And I was really impressed with that. Sometimes you just talk and nothing really comes out of things immediately. But there seemed to be something within this group that was trying to grow this discussion and uh, try to achieve uh, this statewide grassroots initiative. And, and they were going about it the right way. So I stuck around. I've been involved in one way or another for the past six years. Yeah. And it's been a, it's been a great journey. Um, everything that I was seeing and hearing on that first day seems to be the DNA of the organization yeah. and the group and the staffing to um, uh, to thoughtfully grow and achieve achieve a, the establishment of this um, of this organization that becomes relevant, so relevant. Yeah. To the now, towns. And, and, and your phrase earlier that you used to, the shared values. It almost like you, you show up in a room and you said there were other municipal yeah. officers there. It's almost as if there was a, there was a hunger for this. There was a need for this, some sort of statewide effort to be able to try to pursue some of these some of these things. And that need was certainly shared across different municipalities. And getting every, getting those people in one room was like, oh, it's almost a revelation. Oh, <laughs> yes, we can we can yeah. do this. We can do this. So that yeah, we yeah. can do this. Um, everyone shared. We all got to know each other pretty well. Yeah. And um, as the discussion grew over time. More and more people sat around the table, and we just talked about what some of the obstacles could be, some of the challenges. It could be, you know, more macro challenges, larger challenges, or just very specific to our local um, group. So it was a very good think tank. It was very good discussion, and I think we worked out a lot of the ins and outs of of achieving success and um, and how to go about that. Yeah, you know, there's some trepidation when you're thrown. You know, when you're in this group and it gets larger and larger, you wonder what direction it's going to take. But these were, it was just a wide range of folks that seemed to be able to come together in this. Well, these were effort. people of goodwill and good intention and and very smart, too, and experienced as yourself. I mean, yourself, you're coming with a background with with an experience you're bringing to the table. I don't think anybody's in there to throw bombs or, you know, or to, or to break furniture or to do anything to break, make things bad, you know, and over the years, certainly the, the demand that we need to give to climate change, but also energy costs and the, and energy use and all these things have not gotten it. They've not gotten any easier. It's not as if these yeah. problems, these things go away. That which kind of leads into my, my next question was how you've been, you've been on the board of directors for quite some time. And, and as treasurer, I mean, like fundamental person on that board now you're now we're kicking you off right because our because our charter demands that you, you know there's a term limit and uh so now we you have we have to show you the door for some period of time we hope you come yeah. back so this is kind of a testament to you that you've, you've been there helping us for so long the question is how how do you think we've changed or evolved in, in those six years i mean have there, have there been fundamental changes that you've seen or do you like the direction we're in? You can be critical here. You could say, well, you know, there's certain things you're concerned about. What, what What's your take on our how we've evolved over the last several yeah. years? I hope to and I will be a supporter and uh, you can always consider me an ambassador program and around the state. If anybody ever has any questions about it or would like to share some some comments or some suggestions, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. it. It's something I have passion for and um, think that it has a good success rate so far. But one of the things that I noticed, I was just watching and waiting, is, is that this group that got together, the blueprint for our five-year plan, our 10-year plan, was aggressive. You know, most, I wouldn't say most, some groups that I work with will not try to move too quickly, kind of move at a certain rate, and evaluate and then move forward. But I think from the very start, it was important to this group 
that we felt like we could set a blueprint that was aggressive in terms of our rate of growth, um, but we had a lot of the details in our pathway and what we were trying to accomplish pretty firm. Yeah. So um, even with uh, some ups and downs, I think early on, and folks can attest to that in our lives, things that we do, if you design something well, no matter what it is in life, your chances of success of building something or achieving something uh, just rises exponentially because you it's just well thought out and you have the right people, the right thoughts, the right discussions right from the get-go. And that was, um, I felt that we had achieved that threshold. So I was, I was very comfortable in in going along with this this aggressive path, but along with the uh, moving to, uh, moving forward uh, um, strongly and moving forward effectively, um, there was also flexibility built into the program. Yeah. So if you were looking at the actions and the programs initially in the first year, there was a lot of thought with seeing how those had progressed, and there was a uh, process for evaluating and and the the willingness to make changes. Um, so to make them more palatable for and effective for municipalities and try to overcome the one size fits all mentality, we realized they're just, um, you know, each, each town has its own personality, characteristics, size, you know, availability of resources and things like that. So, um, so I was really happy that that was built in. Um, so what I've seen over the last six years and I have served as a treasurer is, is that the partnerships from the very beginning and have continued very strong. Um, and we have, and I'm so thankful for this, and we all are, the foundations that step forward and have uh, committed to multiple years of funding yeah. to allow us to <laughs> achieve our goals. And, uh, you know, ever grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we're well, we're well positioned for the future uh, with the flexibility you know, there are things we can try to achieve, higher goals, and uh, or identifying those. And society and our environment, uh, you know, things change. And I think if we just um, embrace that, I yeah. think we're serving our residents, you know, more effectively. Yeah, and, and flexibility is key to what we do. I got to say, though, it's not, sometimes it's to a fault. <laughs> yeah. We have this debate, this internal debate, and and yeah. my wonderful my wonderful colleague Jessica Leclerc says her her line is, you know, yeah. we're building the plane as we fly it. And yeah. I said to her one, and she said that a couple of times. I said, that's not the way you're supposed to do. It. <laughs> it's not that's a really good measure. thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, in some respects, just organizationally, we've had to be flexible for a lot of reasons. But I hear what you're saying. I mean, being flexible in our work with the towns. And, and providing to the towns what they need. And it's not always the same. It's not a cookie cutter thing. Yeah. Hartford is not going to have the same needs and desires and, and resources for that matter as, as, you know, Bolton or, you know, Winchester. So we've got to be able to be flexible and supportive in every, in every way, uh, in that respect. You know, you're the money guy. You, <laughs> and I, and, and yes. I want to go, I want, I want to give a tremendous shout out to like, you know, Tremaine. Foundation and uh, Hampshire and Common Sense Fund and Green Bank. These people have just been, you know, so supportive and helpful to us. Uh, God bless them. We need to diversify. I mean, expanding financial resources would be wonderful. We'd be able to do more stuff in more ways. That's all great. That's all well and good. But we need to diversify our funding, too. And I think even, you know. Correct. (laughs) And in life, it's a good idea to diversify. Well, sure. And, you know, we've had, again, internal debates, lots of discussion about how to go about doing that and the challenges involved. Uh, What's your counsel on that? What do you think? I mean, how do we how do we do that? Where do we go in your estimation? Yeah. So just is just my opinion that I try to share with the board. And I think there's some consensus growing around it for some years now is that to achieve diversity, one of the areas of opportunity, I think, is in the area of corporate funding, corporate sponsorships. Yeah. Um, this has been done. There, there's a process for that. But just my sense of it, just looking out uh, around me to other organizations, other events that I go to, just paying attention to those things, I, I think there's even more opportunity for sustainable CT. And my sense of it is that 
Um, I do pick up on the growing communication between corporations, privately held companies, uh, startup companies, entrepreneurs that, um, you know, going back to the, the, the idea of values, uh, they want to connect even stronger with their customers. Their customers are purchasing goods and products, but they want to, they're learning more and more about their customers. They want to become uh, more aligned with their customers because they feel that that's going to be su- a successful modeling for them. And, uh, and they're communicating that and, and, and that intersects with what we're doing at Sustainable CT. Absolutely. I, I, mean, I think yeah. it definitely resonates and it energizes. I just think that uh, they move closer. And, and I think there's so many, there's going to be so many more opportunities for this. Mm-hmm. And if it's done well, which we always strive for. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to, I think there's a good opportunity to grow that. And Absolutely. I, I think that's an area of opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I come from a marketing background in private industry and, you know, it's kind of a crass, <laughs> it's yeah. a crass industry. There's no doubt about that. But the, the fact is we're human. We were humans too. Still. Yeah. But I mean, back when I was working, you know, in these for- for-profit corporations, you know, straight, straight line marketing, we're still humans. We're still living in the community. We're part of what's going on. We have, and as again, going back to shared values, companies I've worked for were always very progressive, even if they were for-profit. We always wanted to try, and, and it's too cynical to regard it as, as greenwashing. I know that happens out there, but the, but we were sincere in trying to, uh, you know, connect ourselves up with with the right people, with good people doing good things, because we we shared that value, and uh, and and it also was was frankly not bad for business because you 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 know it's good and good for you. It's we're gonna we're all in this together. We're gonna make things work um, you know, again on the basis of shared values. Uh, and we all have to put food on our table and feed our kids and send them to college and everything else. All that stuff is, you know, yeah. pretty human. So, yeah, I hear you. We we need to do a whole lot more in that regard. And I think we can. I think there's a lot of fertile ground there to be able to uh, to go yeah. out and connect with corporations in Connecticut. And I think everybody's open to that. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, it's been trending. We've been watching. Uh, folks have been watching us. And I think at this point, we have a good track record, you know, yeah. sustainable CT. Yeah. And people have seen, and, and you can see that with the registration of towns that have entered the program and how far some of the towns and cities have taken the, vers- you know, the various levels of cert- certification and how much enthusiasm there is for it. Yeah. Let's take a break for a moment. We'll come right back. Uh, we're talking to Ted Schaefer, a wonderful guy. He's, he's still on it. You're still, no, you're officially no longer on our board like last month or something, right? Last week. I don't know. You know, my mom used to say, be careful for what you wish for. (laughs) I was asked to give my comments about how our bylaws and I I strongly suggested uh, term limits. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. go. Victim of your success. All right. We'll come. we'll, We'll come right back. We'll return to our program in just a moment. You've been listening to The Impact, a sustainable CT podcast. Hey, while you're out there tripping the web fantastic, don't forget to join us on Facebook for some fun and interesting stuff. Guaranteed safe for children and pets. Come on, be our friend, won't you? At facebook.com slash sustainable CT. And we, like millions of others, have hopped on the Instagram threads bandwagon at instagram.com slash sustainable CT and threads.net at sustainable CT. And yes, of course, we're LinkedIn. Search for sustainable CT from your LinkedIn page and you'll find us right there being all LinkedIn and media social. And if you're not yet a subscriber to Actions with Impact, the Sustainable CT newsletter, you could be missing out on some very important information to you, to your organization, and to your town. Accept no substitutes. Do yourself a favor and subscribe today. And you can do that where? At sustainablect.org, of course. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Ted Schaefer, who is currently, and you're going to have to, uh, Barkhamstead? Is that what you said? Barkhamstead and oh, uh, Winchester. Okay. okay. All right. See, I mispronounced. Economic Development Director for these. Correct. Yeah. Th- which which prompts the question I didn't ask earlier. How did you end up working for both towns? Is that was that normal? Is that a normal thing that you? That well, you-, you know, I was uh, in my career as I was winding down the first selectman duties. You know, in Burlington. Yeah. You know, I just began to think about uh, the things that that energized me, that were successful in my tenure, things I got involved with and uh, my background and my interests. And and one of the areas was economic development. 
Yeah. You know, I think you can always balance that. I think it's a good idea to balance that with other initiatives. Um, but, you know, for the health and the quality, and there's so many beneficial things that come out of, can come out of economic development, you know, if it's thoughtful and, and, and done well, you know, it can really benefit communities uh, well beyond the years that you may be in the community. Sure. It can help generations. And so with all that being said, I kind of was looking, I put it out there. I was responding to different openings uh, here in the Northwest uh, part of the state. There was an opportunity. There was a definitely um, a general feeling that, you know, let's, let's bring folks in and see, um, you know, what can be done in this area that had been um, lagging for a little bit and, uh, or folks wanted to get back to it. And uh, I was just very lucky to, uh, to uh, respond to those openings and and this is how it all came about. So very thankful for that. It's it's great. We're talking about collaboration and regionalism and getting towns to work together. It kind of is baked in. If you're going to be working for both towns, that's great. And and I feel energized. It's all the things that we were talking about earlier about sustainable CTA. I, I, I feel very energized, just so interested in working with people and uh, creating, you know, good results. So, well, in that vein, uh, as you're, since you're economic development person, I wanted to ask you about that, the region, you know, the Winchester region, what are the major economic challenges you're facing right now? What do you think is the, how do they, and how do they intersect with sustainability in some way? Do they? I mean, they must in terms of energy use or some, in some respects. Yeah, they do. They do. There's definitely uh, overlapping circles of things that are important. But in these challenges, you know, uh, if you just start to look at economic development challenges uh, around the state and locally uh, over the past couple of years, it's been the higher cost of goods and services um, that's really affected households, governments, community groups, you know, just as a whole. It's it's been a challenge here in the northwest corner. uh, We are uh, year by year uh, since I've been here and, and I think before I arrived. Uh, looking at public transportation. And that, again, that goes to folks' quality of life. And what does that transportation look like? And see, that's where it starts to overlap. You know, what kind of energy is used uh, in public transportation? What kind of possibilities are there? You know, there's been businesses or entities that have opportunities, job opportunities, but they're having a hard time matching it up with, with the workforce. So I've been involved with job fairs. <laughs> That's something that um, I attended. Just you know, you know. But uh, these are things that I'm coordinating uh, to try to get folks uh, in front of each other um, to try to help each of these households that that need that kind of um, opportunity. Sure. Um, it's been talked about in the state. You know, the the, the need for uh, for more housing. We can call it workforce housing. Yeah. Um, but it's just. Um, and making sure that communities are set up uh, to take care of each other. Yeah, um, housing housing is huge, a really big issue yeah. all over the state, but it, it's a big problem. Yeah. And the other issue is just, you know, it's a, a, as we all know, and, and there is some concern about it, it. You know, it's the changing economy. Uh, what does the future look like uh, with the growth of technology and other things that are happening? Is it going to look like... Uh, a lot of folks look to the past, you know, with nostalgia and such a warm feeling about, uh, and then they see a, a lot of the changes that are happening. And uh, that's tough. You know, change is always tough for everybody. So um, uh, so dealing with that. Uh, the other thing that I saw and, and was hoping to help with, um, I saw a lot of isolation. Uh, and again, this comes with the technological age, uh, social media, um, in, in like the yesteryears, you talk to folks that have been in these towns for a long period of time, there was a strong feeling of getting together, uh, a, lot of, a lot of activities and, and you know, interaction. And in these days, it, it can go in all different directions. And, and I kind of got a sense and people would say to me that they feel more isolated. Yeah, and uh, so there's always activities uh, and that kind of gets over, crosses over into sustainability actions. Number one, you can get involved in sustainability actions with others. You know, if you share that enthusiasm and interest and uh, solution solving and all that, um, there are folks that would, would like to get together with you and your community to do that. Uh, but also, it's the effects of the programs. 
you know, they directly affect others. So you can benefit from that. Mm-hmm. And again, that's an overlapping, you know, uh, circle, sense of community, togetherness, and volunteerism. It's just another opportunity to do, uh, to take some of the time you have available and share it with others yeah. or an initiative. So I, I think the two kind of come together. Uh, they're, they're, they're similar and can come right together, you know, hand in hand. Now, have you just, found, have you found that, because uh, I, I agree with you, that sense of isolation, it's almost a, a contradictory notion. You know, we're all connected now, huzzah, when in fact, I think that that sense of isolation individually has grown with the internet for a lot of different reasons. Yes. But, and, and I want to ask you, I mean, from an economic development point of view, and I'm assuming you have broadband capacity in your area. Has that, I mean, has we that do. helped? Has that helped? We no longer have to commute down to Hartford to get, you know, for a decent job. You can, you could, in theory, have a burgeoning uh, business in Winchester. And if you're connected properly and be able to follow that business model, has that helped at all? Is that a, is that a, it has, it's a, a like, uh, like some things in, in our lives, it's a double-edged sword. So you right. have that dynamic, which is tremendous. You can actually live and work in your town if you prefer to be in a more rural setting yeah. and it has uh, the ability to communicate. This is great. You can have more that you're looking for. But on the other side of the, you know, if you have the ability to internet shop, that means you're not uh, traveling down to our main streets where our retail, yeah. traditional retail is. Yeah. And enjoying that experience with others, with the shopkeepers, uh, there needs to be a balance there. And I, and I think that that could be a solution to it all. Just folks finding a way to balance technological with the um, face-to-face interaction. Yeah. And, and I think we might be able to overcome some of this isolation. And the isolation becomes tough. I mean, we live in a climate that's ever-changing. It's been evolving. I'm sure we can talk about that a little bit, but those challenges... You know, we have much more rainier days that maybe we're not leaving our homes or uh, not not being outside. Sure. Um, and now it's warmer times and drier. And um, it's in terms of the recreational and things that we like enjoy doing with others. It's definitely changing, yeah. evolving. So yeah. those are those are some of the things to look at. I'm and I'm an old guy. And my favorite thing around the holidays was always going downtown kind of oh, not quite the last minute. But going downtown and doing my my holiday shopping right, you know, right there in these little stores and seeing everybody and talking to people and having a ball and everybody's in a great mood because it's the holidays. Da, 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 da. And now it's just it's like a ghost town. Everybody's shop- everybody's on Amazon. Everybody shops from Amazon. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, it's about, uh, no you know some of our uh, some of the uh, more successful shopkeepers have adopted um, a really interesting philosophy. They will traditionally sell what they sell, but they'll also invite folks to come in to have an opportunity. It could be several uh, shoppers that can come back together and go through an activity together, whether they're uh, learning a new skill, you know, how to put together, you know, uh, how to cook food better or, you know, how to build something and just like a workshop. And this whole workshop philosophy has brought people back together and given them a a better sense of socialization. They de- obviously they all enjoy doing that particular, and I see more of that happening. And I, I hope it builds on itself because then the whole experience of getting out of your house and enjoying your town or, or, or surrounding towns, you know, becomes that more enjoyable. And com- combining things, maybe taking a walk along, you know, through some open space or pathways or biking and you know, ending up starting in one town and ending up in another or just going to different parts of the town and just enjoying that and the history of these of our towns. We have a great, you know, history of this area in New England. Yeah. And it's so interesting. So I think there's a lot to offer to try to address isolation. Hopefully. Until until the next whatever the next technological craziness is comes along, yes. now it's AI, and then we some something. Else. I've already begun to <laughs> read and see things about quantum quantum. Computing. Oh yeah, that's actually in uh, a generation ahead of AI. Even though we haven't quite figured out for the general person what exactly this all means with no. artificial intelligence, so yeah. we have yet another another generation of computers that we need to take a look at. 
Well, and, and you alluded to, to it earlier. What, what's the biggest challenge you see coming down the pike yeah. in terms of climate or sustainability or something that's going to affect your region that you yeah. know you, you're most concerned with at this point? You know, I, I think the area of climate change, uh, most uh, the immediacy of that over my uh, 10 years in town management and being involved currently uh, with the municipalities, you know, things that just have been documented, um, mm-hmm. just are, you know, the heavier rainfall, the warmer temps at times, even the dryness, you know, has affected, it creates strain and deterioration in municipal infrastructure, yeah. um, such as bridges and roads. So there's there safety issues there, uh, but there's also a cost issue. You're you're having to address, um, if this was something you were looking at maybe 20 years ago, uh, you would say, oh, that bridge is going to last another X amount of years. But with this kind of these, these changes uh, in weather, it's causing, uh, you know, rapid more rapid deterioration, which needs replacement. You need to address our repairs um, to get that done. Other areas, I mean, we're talking about dryness and deterioration, flooding. Um, yeah. I just notice when I just watch local news or just read about local news around the state, you know, flooding is becoming, we're always getting warnings about that and seeing the aftermath. I think that's a really big issue for most municipalities and cities. So, Well, um, especially especially Winchester, given its history, Yes. Um, so, instead uh, is just, you know has is still living that legacy. You know. Yeah. So for those who uh, include those in on that one in 1955, it was yeah. very famous uh, the river flood that uh, this town, like a lot of towns, the commerce and the the life of the town was built very closely around the riverbanks. Yeah. And with that flooding, and if you see the pictures as we all have over the years, it was devastating. Yeah. It just and, swept, uh, the, it swept the town away. It, it yes, a large portion of it literally swept center. it away. Yeah, yeah. and uh, this was a very thriving town, and um, at that time, and it was just devastating. And so, uh, yeah, that we're we're seeing, we're again, we're revisiting this this topic of flooding. Um, who thought it could come back as an issue, but it's back. And the other thing too is we're on an environmental basis, kind of hard to see at times. But it's it's the the loss of biodiversity um, that that we all can read about, and in the in the folks that study this in our universities and colleges, uh, they can share more about more details of that. I think it should be an area that we um, think about because it just goes to the general health of our environment. It's where our our houses are surrounded by these natural environments. So. Oh yeah, absolutely, and 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 everything's connected. You know, the hip bones connected to the leg bones. So what happens is, if you, you have you have an increasing just by a cup of a temperature or two, uh, yeah. the insects that once remained south of a certain demarcation point now start they, they start coming north. They're almost by almost by definition an invasive species because they're really not supposed to be there. They're crowding out others, and all these things are connected like dominoes. It starts affecting the forests and the and you know, right. farmland and everything else. It's it's not getting any prettier. So. You know, just locally, I live in Burlington, so uh, a great town, uh, just a lot of natural resources, and forestry. Um, but what we're talking about, I mean, deer ticks. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's it a. Yeah. a big issue. Like if you're thinking about taking a walk yeah. through the woods, just a hike, it it's something you have to take a lot of things to to be careful of. And it could it, it could affect your health if if you don't address the ticks. And yeah. while you're out there, you know you have a lot of wildlife uh, that's being affected. And it's all the things we enjoy about living living in natural settings um, that's being affected. You know, so um, you know a lot more to think about these days. Well, and even even just just this year, and this, and I don't want to attach weather to climate. I'm not. I'm not making that mistake. I I realize these things are very long term. But yeah. even just, it's been a very mild, very warm winter this this winter yeah. so, thus far, and uh, you used to be able to count on that hard freeze, maybe if maybe a foot of snow by now, to take the dog out and not concern yourself with the ticks. But that, I can't do that. No, I take him out now. He he comes yeah. back with two or three, and the bears are active way into the season. They're not they're not really settling down, and they're not quote unquote hibernating. 
as much as they did last year when it's this warm. They're still out looking in garbage cans. They're still out trying to, you know, uh, to find whatever food they can forage. Things that it look, you see, it's almost so it might just be weather. Again, I don't want to, I don't want to mistake it for climate, but it kind of gives you a snapshot of where we're headed. If every winter becomes like this winter and more so, right? It's, it, this is going to be, this is going to be very freaky down the road. What can we do? Well, as you intimately knowledgeable and involved with sustainable CT, is there something that you think we should do more of or haven't done enough of, or you would like to see us champion more? What do we need to do? Is it climate, is yeah. it, or climate change? What, what, what should we do? You know, it's interesting, you know, just thinking about this, there have been active discussions, I know, among the staff, yourself, and also on the board level, you know, folks that are, uh, have participated um, one of the areas that I think about a lot that I think would be helpful, it is very challenging in the example where it's very challenging for a small town, you know, with with populations under 10,000. Yeah. You know, they very much want to participate. They see a lot of value in the programs, but they think it would be beneficial. They just don't have the number of folks to actually accomplish, you know, all the things that are necessary activities to get certified or just to participate in, in, in most of the programs. So what the foundations and sustainable CT as an organization, we developed the summer internship program yeah. where college students, both undergraduate and graduate that have a strong interest in this area, come into the regions and to the towns and assist the committees, the local committees. And I think that's been very successful and, and kind of discussed is could we, kind of do this year round. Right. And there has been movement towards that. The staff has grown with uh, those that assist with the programming and that has helped a lot. But I, I think we could go more and more. I, I think, you know, it's a whole generation of this college age students that are very interested in getting hands on and working directly with, with municipalities. And my experience so far with those folks, good job at selecting those folks and, They've all come forward. It's been an excellent experience. I think everybody's got a lot of that out of that yeah. during these summer experiences. And, and hopefully they move on and they go on to other organizations that do this type of thing. But um, so I, I in my mind, that's one of the, the big areas that I would like to see further expansion of focus attention. Um, I just think it benefits everybody. So but we'll see how that goes, but that's kind of my thought. No, that's a, that's a good one too, because we've, we've been discussing that and it's on our wish list. It's one of those things. And you know, Mr. Treasurer, yes, it's all about the money. Uh, we're trying to figure out ways to have a sustainable program. Funny we should mention that word to be able to sustain this, not just have it a flash in the pan one year, you know, with a, with a, with yes. a piecemeal grant. But to be able to establish this multi, to have a multi-year program to have that year year-round internship or a fellows program of some sort, and I got to tell you, I, I, I mentioned earlier, Jess Claire is really the one who has done wonders for this program. Amazing, and, and, amazing you know, work in this area. Yes, yeah, yeah, she really, she really husbands this along in a way that I would, be, yeah. I would find entirely overwhelming. So yeah. kudos to her. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's something we're looking at long and hard and trying to figure out a way to make that happen, because I think it would be beneficial for everybody concerned. Hey, so Lynn, our our, our fearless leader, Lynn Stoddard, tells yeah. me that you have a knack for running into famous people. What, uh-huh. Is that true? Would you <laughs> drop a name for me? Yeah, I, I think what, uh, the earliest interaction that was just spontaneous, not planned, is um, I was with my mom and dad. They took me to Washington, D.C. to see the sites. I think my dad had some business meetings. And while I was out outside of the Washington Hilton Hotel, just in there, just outside in their, their lobby area outside, yeah. uh, the U.S. president at the time was Richard Nixon, our 37th president. He came out from a meeting, uh, Secret <laughs> Service, and um, I was under the age of 10 at that time. And uh, he just walked right over. Uh, I, there was a group of people that were in my parents' group, and uh very engaging. He just was chatting with me about what I do, and and, um, and so that was really exciting for me. Did he turn um, you into a lifelong Republican? You, you know? uh, I think I was more interested in, uh, you know, <laughs> the whole thing about public figures, you know, Absolutely. how they could be approachable. They didn't seem approachable at that time. 
Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I just learned that they are. Um, another interesting one, somehow I was walking towards and got through the security, but I was at the um, Newport, Rhode Island Jazz Festival, and um, they were about 10 minutes away from the headliner, and which was Wynton Marcellus, okay. who's a, tr- a trumpeter from uh, and, and jazz ambassador yes, absolutely. Uh, from New Orleans. And uh, I got right through his security somehow, and uh, he waved <laughs> off his security, and he said, walk me to the stage, you know, walk with me to the stage. Wow. And I told him that I had gone to college in New Orleans, and um, I knew all about his family, very very um, amazing family in the, in the jazz music area. Wow. And uh, we had a great conversation and uh, he said something very funny. We were very close to stage and he, he apologized to me that he had to kind of cut short our conversation because um, uh, 10,000 people had paid uh, to listen to him play music and yeah. uh, he had to do that right then. So uh, wow. I forgave That's- him for that. You know, there's been other times, but um, you know, people, in different areas, public figures, sports figures. Yeah. I actually met Julius Irving, Dr. J, after he Oh, okay. Very tall gentleman. Yeah. But very nice. Yeah. And uh, oh, and Steve Martin, who's one of my all favorite comedians <laughs> and stars. We just bumped into each other and he was walking. And it was in New York City. So. Well, well and, and, now, and now you've met me. So you're going <laughs> to. I've added you to the list. <laughs> We're out of time now. See, it just just zooms, just zooms right by. We're all out of time. Okay. And I really appreciate you doing this. We'll have to do it again because I think there's probably a lot of stuff we haven't covered. But you know, we'll have another opportunity because you're not you're not going to leave us hanging. You're going to be you're going to be in there doing your your bit for us. I'm sure. I'll be doing that. I'm not I'm not going anywhere. You got me for the long haul. Okay. Thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate your. Thank you, Jim, and thank you to the listeners. I appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed today's edition of the Impact, a sustainable CT podcast. As always, this program is recorded, produced, and copyrighted, yeah, by Sustainable CT. Thank you for your interest. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our sponsor, the Common Sense Fund. Thanks again to Ted Schaefer for joining us and for his steadfast service and support to Sustainable CT. And thanks to everyone for taking local actions that have a statewide impact.